This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Ladies Who London. Uh, Or actually this week, Lady Who Londons. Uh, This is Fiona here on my tot. Slightly rich, actually, frankly. Alex said, yeah, yeah, come and be a co-host. Yeah, 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 it's all good. And then a couple of weeks later, she scarpers and uh, leaves me holding the ropes doing uh, doing an episode. Um, so if there is anything a bit skew-if about today's episode, then uh, then it's because I'm learning the ropes as I go. Uh, but she does have a good reason. Um, she's had a little bit of surgery. And the good news is she's back at home recuperating. It's all well, uh, all good. And she should be back with us uh, next week. She does have a little fleeting cameo in uh, in today's episode. Um, and today we have two guests and very excitingly, um, maybe slightly over ambitiously. So again, it's a slightly longish episode. So I'm going to leave all admin and correspondence and any other business until uh, next week and dive straight in. The second uh, interview is with David Hefer, the artist. And the first interview kind of explains itself in the uh, in the opening a couple of sentences. So I'm going to leave it at that and jump in to the first of today's two interviews. Enjoy. Today on the podcast, we are not looking at the little bits of London and the little quirky details that we sometimes do. Today, we are going to be talking about London on a grand scale because, very excitingly, um, I'm joined today by Liz Scott, who is the curator of uh, Big City, which is the exhibition on at the moment at the Guildhall Art Gallery, um, which, as the name suggests, it's it's big scale paintings of of London on a grand scale. That's uh, um, so. Hello, hello, Liz. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's really lovely. Um, it, it's one of those exhibitions that sort of the, the title caught my eye, and and the Guildhall has, I, I think, often has quite intriguing exhibitions that are. Um, quite quite kind of specifically focused in a way and this this seemed like one of those really interesting um idea yeah no, absolutely well and I'm glad you picked that up because when I joined the gallery in 2017 and one of the things looking at the gallery's collection that I I kind of wanted to really draw out was our connection to London because we have one of the largest collections of London paintings in the world um and whilst we also have a really rich Victorian collection as well but I thought well, why don't we really make that a strength and 
and have a kind of thread of London through some of our exhibitions. Um, so it's kind of London, which could be very explicit, like one of our previous shows, Architecture of London, or The Big City, mm -hmm. or more implicit, yep. like our show about Noel Coward, who was a London-born lad. Oh, you know? <laughs> so yes, that's yeah, which connection. was was also fabulous. I did. I, I saw that one as well, and oh, it was oh, the glorious kind of the lovely dressing gowns and the yeah, very um, opulent. Yes, I mean, I think. It's, it was one of those shows that um, really caught everyone's imagination. And even if you weren't a Noel Coward fan necessarily, I think you left it as one. Um, but also you could just yeah. really appreciate the displays, like the costumes and just every, like, just the visual impact of everything as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I was thinking for people who don't know the Guildhall Art Gallery, it's it's not, I, I think it's fair to say, not like if you said, I'm going to go to a gallery in London, it's probably not the one that's right at the top of your list. And it's, um, but but tell us more. Tell us where it is to start yes. with. Yes, yeah. Well, it's in the city of London, or also known as the Square Mile. Um, we uh, we are actually the the gallery that houses the City of London Corporation's art collection. Um, and so we the original gallery opened in the Victorian period in eighteen eighty six, and mm -hmm. um, it was it was then called the City of London Fine Art Gallery. So quite a mouthful, and, uh, and okay. known yep. as the Guildhall Art Gallery. Um, and you could. You, you can go to any of the the kind of tube stations in the city, and we're we're basically a five minute walk from there, if if less. Um, and yeah. we, as I say, we house the City of London Corporation's art collection, um, and but we also have a Roman amphitheatre in our basement as well. Uh, yes, I was going to come onto that. <laughs> yes, but yeah. well, I always say we're this unique um, kind of mixture of art and archaeology that I think not many other places could, could boast that. So. Yeah, the, um, something for everyone. Yes, in, exactly. In of, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, let's, let's talk about the amphitheatre because it wasn't there in the Victorian gallery. No, no. So no. Yeah, it was, it, it was kind of one of these brilliant discoveries uh, so um, after the um go, kind of going giving you a bit of background to it kind of yeah. after the um the, there was bomb damage um in 1940 and the victorian gallery sustained um a, a lot of damage then but then it had it was almost entirely destroyed by a fire during a severe air raid in 1941 um oh, okay yeah and so um, although large parts of the collection were removed it to underground storage in Wiltshire, we still yeah. lost um, quite a significant amount. Um, 164 artworks, including 20 sculptures, were lost. Oh, OK. I hadn't yeah, realised so, that. No, well, and so after that, um, a temporary structure was built on the cleared site in 1946. And um, this this structure was used as a ceremonial venue and exhibition space but it, mm -hmm. it wasn't until 1985 that the city decided to redevelop the site. And um, as work commenced, like anywhere else in the city of London, you can't put a shovel in the ground without hitting some archaeology. Yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened you know, um, during the archaeological dig, which um, took place in preparation for the construction of the new gallery building. The remains of London's Roman amphitheatre was discovered. And yeah. This was an incredibly significant find. Um, I, I think I can't stress that enough because <laughs> archaeologists had been searching for this amphitheatre for over a hundred years. Uh, yeah, you, know, like, you, you, you really hit the jackpot. It's well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and and, it, and for me, it's just so it's it's just remarkable that it was found in the eighties. Yeah, you know, um, and yeah, yeah that, that's just so strange to think of as well. And um, 
uh, archaeologists were always thinking it's Londinium. Um, it must have had an amphitheater. Uh, it's you know it it was an important Roman city. Um, so yeah. it must have had one, but. As I say, it remained lost for over fifteen hundred years until it was finally found in nineteen eighty eight. And um, and what's really interesting is we we have an artwork in the collection um, titled Londinium Romanum, and it was painted in nineteen fifty nine by the artist Alan Sorrell. Um, uh-huh. he's, he's perhaps best known for his archaeological illustrations um, and okay. in particular his detailed reconstructions of Roman Britain, which were, which were really backed up by research as well. And yeah. The painting we have depicts Roman London in the third century AD, and um, it shows examples of other Roman remains that had been excavated up to the 50s um, around the street area of the city. But because of its date, it doesn't show the amphitheater. So Ah. in some ways, it's it's this really accurate reconstruction, but minus the amphitheater. And and so it's still valuable. It's still valuable, but it's also quite an entertaining image because of that well yeah um, yeah and a real sort of mo- slice of what yes. we knew at that moment in history when it was exactly. done yeah. exactly because, uh, and quite a lot of the roman stuff was was rediscovered during the war wasn't it because of the bomb damage and things so it's it's extraordinary that they didn't find the amphitheater then really as exactly. well and especially if you think that you know especially our our, our part of the city you know, and, and the gallery in particular had two really badly damaged you know two bouts of bad damage kind of during the during the blitz still wasn't found yeah and so yeah. It, it just feels like okay it wanted to be found in the 80s <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that, that was it, yeah. <laughs> it was the right moment for it yeah it, it, it was supposed to be our basement galleries um you know and it's like I wouldn't pass up having a Roman amphitheater in my basement but sometimes when you're trying to find space for a painting it does make you think oh we could have oh, had that space <laughs> in somewhere yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah I mean it is you know as, as a guide I'm very often going through the Guildhall Yard and you I kind of tend to talk about it and it, it it's a story that I'm very familiar with but it is extraordinary when you stop back and step back and think about it and then there's also that beautiful theatrical kind of the grey slate circle around the Guildhall Yard and you can say to you people that's that's the shape of the amphitheatre 20 foot down yes. you know and it's it's really nicely done oh thank you and and that's what we we love pointing that out and especially to um we have schools that come to the amphitheatre a lot as well yeah Romans are on the curriculum also but um we always start in the front at the guild at the in Guildhall Yard and point out the circle um and then our education officer he actually um asked the, the pupils to kind of walk as they walk down to count the steps that they take as well to re-give that ah. sense of you're kind of going back in time but also how deep you're going and, and yeah. actually, it's 20 feet below ground but what I really love is that in the amphitheatre, you are walking at Roman ground level. I mean, that to me is just so special. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And that the, the one thing I, I've always slightly wondered about it, because when you, you go into the amphitheatre kind of room, you sort of go through the gallery entrance, down some stairs, and then through a kind of glass door into a, it's quite a dark space. It's quite kind of dramatic and theatrical. And then the amphitheatre, so that, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's kind of the footprint of the the layout of the entrance and some of the stones and things it's not it's not like the full size walls no. or seats or but it's not the coliseum uh, it's no, no. <laughs> but you can see where the entrance would have been and the rooms kind of off the entrance either side and the drains and things yes. and then there's opposite there's some quite sort of modern graphics kind of showing where the seats would be and someone sitting and i I've, I've always wondered how how contentious it was that just decision to to use quite sort of 
um, sleek minimalist figures in the graphics yeah, against the old stones. It's really interesting because um, I was talking to someone who was an archaeologist working on the site and then he also did the interpretation afterwards and he was saying that um in that phase he was very minimalist in in the way he interpreted archaeology okay and 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 he he very much wanted to keep the drama because yeah that is exactly what happened in amphitheaters it was entertainment but of the most dramatic kind you know as well um and then he also but he also wanted to allow visitors to really use their imagination as well and so it's kind of it's showing you what could have taken place but you could also think about it and and then kind of just start having in your mind kind of creating these scenarios as well yeah yeah i I think that makes sense that that works um and it is it is free to visit isn't it it's one of those things you have to you know you you go in through the doors and so if you were walking past in a way you might not realize that anyone can just stroll in and go and see this extraordinary space yes yeah it's it's free um the gallery and the amphitheater are completely free we're open seven days a week um as well and so um and and we really i i've i kind of really want to position the gallery as a gallery for about london for london because that's such a core of our um of what of what we do and like with the stories that we're telling through the artwork or through the amphitheater you you can literally see kind of discover 2000 years of london's history on our site yeah and yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah that i think that's one of our real strong points um and and the way that you can access london's history in different ways through the archaeology and through the art one thing i often kind of stress to people as well is that it's because it started as the kind of the government collection for the city that it, it it could be pictures of lord mayors it could you know but it's not you've got a much wider range of of, of artists and pictures than that yeah yeah absolutely well i mean it's not to say we don't have pictures of lord mayors no. and like that. <laughs> we, we do have that but um you're absolutely right that we um we the collection is so much more than that as well um i i like to say that um I kind of like to group our collection into four broad categories. Um, mm-hmm. One is London, one yep. is Victorian, um, yep. the other is Matthew Smith, and then 17th century Dutch and Flemish, which is it might sound like quite a strange mix. Um, <laughs> and then, like most other museums and galleries, we have lots of other works that fall in between those divisions as well. You know, just as things were collected over, um, you know, over two hundred years of <laughs> having yeah. an art gallery, um, but but also the fact that the although the gallery opened in 1886 the actual collection started 200 years before that and ah, the, okay. of the collection are actually um date for to 1670 um wow. the the court of aldermen commissioned um 22 paintings to hang in the newly restored guild hall following the great fire and yep. these were portraits of fire judges um ah. so yeah these are 22 men who had been appointed to assess compensation claims following the great fire in 1666 yeah. and so um these these portraits are actually the inception of the city of london corporation's art collection and and you know so this like special commission uh and the collection continued continue to grow from that it it now numbers around four and a half thousand works of art and wow. okay it's oil paintings works on paper sculpture photography tapestries you know and, and so yep. it's quite extensive um and and we have the art gallery 
and our store is on site but as the art gallery we also look after the um, corporation's collections across their sites as well so we look after the collection at mansion house right and yeah. and so it's, it's quite an expansive role as well yeah so what proportion of the collection is on display normally it's so we've got around four and a half thousand and we yeah. usually have around 200 to 250 works okay. it depends on whether what the temporary exhibition is yeah um, and i think if you yeah, that might not sound like a lot, but actually, in terms of percentages, that's that's not too bad because I think yeah, other places sometimes have one percent. Right. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, but that's at the gallery. We obviously have other works of art on display elsewhere at, yeah. at Bailey, etc. Um, yeah. And but I think as you've you've been to the gallery, you'll see that some of our works are not small as well. No. <laughs> so, yeah, no, so indeed. Kind of, if we had enough wall space, we would hang much more. But um, we are slightly limited. Um, for instance, we have John Singleton Copley's um, "Defeat of the Floating Batteries of Gibraltar," which measures eight meters by over five meters. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. massive. And, and also, and wasn't that? I, I mean, in a way, this ties in very much with the big city because it is. They are the sort of monumental paintings. But um, also, when you were saying about the rebuilding of the gallery after the you know, in the eighties, um, it it's very clearly designed around that painting, isn't it? Yes. So you you know, it it takes up one whole wall, and you can look at it from above or below. Yeah, um, I mean, you have to you have to look at it from yeah. above. You, know, you want to look at it in any kind of detail as well. Um, but you're exactly right. We've got a double height um ceiling because of that artwork. Um, and it's the only way it can come in and out of the building is for it to be taken off its stretcher and rolled up. It's just, it's just so huge. It, it's kind yes. of, um, and, but interestingly, the um, Victorian gallery where we've got our per, a permanent um, display of Victorian works, um, that ceiling is, is actually 12, I think it's 12 foot high. Um, and that's to accommodate the, um, pikes from the pikemen when they um, oh. the lord mayor and so you know there's also things okay. like you know, so there's kind of a dual purpose for yeah. <laughs> well um, maybe that that perfectly brings us on to the to the big city exhibition then so what what was the where, where what was the first idea that kind of brought this about well yeah one of the the reasons for curating the show is that at the Guildhall Art Gallery, we hold one of the most extensive collections of London paintings in the world. So I think we we should be putting on more shows about London, and, yeah. and in particular from through the lens of art, um, as well as being the home of one of the largest oil paintings on on display in the UK, which is the Copley. Yeah. Um, and so the in that way, the Big City is a special exhibition that combines both of these unique aspects of the gallery's collection. Um, and it celebrates artists who paint London on this huge scale, creating these immersive works that dominate interior spaces, whilst yeah. also being an opportunity for us to showcase some of these paintings, like the largest paintings in our collection. I know that, that you know, kind of talking to colleagues about it, there were some some of them have said, "Oh, yeah, was it was it quite limiting? Yeah, working within that kind of criteria of uh -huh. large scale artworks." Um, and I'd say it wasn't actually because the collection has such a variety within that criteria. So, so for me, it was it was actually there's there's a lot of scope and there's a range of artists working 
on very different subjects, but at a large scale. And so you'll have someone like Frank Salisbury, who in his day was the artist, like the go-to artist for portraits. He painted over 800 of some of the most notable figures of the time, um, as well as ceremonial events. But he's virtually unheard of, I would say, um, now. And and, uh, unless, you know, it's kind of people who know British art or have a particular interest in that area he isn't kind of like he isn't a household name like he would kind of say sure. a constable or you know etc yeah. um, yeah. but his great forte was painting large canvases of ceremonial events and pedantry and so he was painting these huge grand occasions on huge canvases um, but then you'll you'll have other artists like David Heifer who paints um, huge canvases of tower blocks in London and and is really exploring this kind of almost austere grandeur of urban London and there's just that complete contrast of yeah. the, these re- grand occasions to these um, sort of tower blocks in London um, that and it's really for me it was really interesting that kind of interplay of um, these occasions which are sometimes open to the public if they're in the kind of arena of the street uh-huh. but sometimes it's closed off because you have to be invited to them like we have we have a work by Terence Cunair of the Coronation Lunch at, yeah. at the Great Hall in Guildhall. Um, but you would have had to be invited um, to that. Um, but then with David's work, that they are they are piece of architecture that anyone would recognise. And yeah, yeah and I, it's that but, it has but, been... but might not stop to look at. Yes, so, no, so no, by no. putting it on the canvas, you kind of see it in a whole different way. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and that's where um, there's another section in the exhibition called um, Larger Than Life. And it's where artists have chosen to depict what would seemingly be quiet moments in mm-hmm. London, like crossing a street. You know, we've got a piece yeah. called by Oliver Bevin, and um, it's of the uh, pedestrian crossing at um, Barbican outside the station. It's really interesting that they are sort of wanting to take these quiet moments but to specifically convey them on large canvases and so then you kind of get that really interesting juxtaposition don't you of kind of these small moments at a large scale and the idea that it it doesn't have to just be these grand occasions that are captured this way but it could be these small moments yeah absolutely and everyday life and every you know in any person yeah as well exactly yeah exactly. no that's really lovely and I was I was looking up about um Terence Cuneo um because when we came to the gallery there's there's those two by him that are like both sort of banquet type things yes. and then I was surprised to see actually that he actually made his name doing kind of railway and it was quite industrial art yeah. places yeah. that he was doing first but there's there's this lovely story about him that he always includes a mouse or after a certain point, he yes, started yeah. including a mouse. Yeah, the, no, it's it's actually a really lovely story, and um, and it's it's really interesting because it's got a connection to one of the works we have, which is the Coronation Luncheon, and mm-hmm. it was uh, done in 1953, and and that's when he started to paint the the mice in to his works. Um, so oh, okay, is one that, of that was the first one. Uh, well, it wasn't the oh, oh. it was in that period, Rand. and that's what's interesting. Yeah. It was actually it was really very much in that period because, um. One of Cuneo's most celebrated commissions was um, the official picture of the coronation of Elizabeth II um, yeah. in 1953, and, and it's in the Royal Collection at the, right now. And um, yeah. one, suitably topical, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and one day, um, Cuneo was painting the huge canvas because it's, it's actually a large, really large painting, and his cat brought in a dead field mouse, and he kind of dropped it 
uh, you know by the by his feet and yeah as a distraction almost uh, but you know because he'd kind of been battling this huge canvas Gineo decided to paint a portrait of the mouse um and and subsequently his the mouse kind of became his signature or trademark and it can be mm-hmm. found in every one of his paintings after 1953 and so um you've you we've got the mice now paintings and it's it's actually been such a lovely th- part of the exhibition is trying visitors trying to find the mice, find the mice. <laughs> and i'm just going to pause the interview with liz there for a moment so you can hear what happened when we were in the gallery alex and i are just going to have a look for the mouse we're going on a mouse hunt yeah uh so this is about five foot wide this painting give you a sense of scale and the bottom third is full of people excitedly eating their dinner i think it's six foot wide i would say because that's about five feet tall isn't it okay that's true i don't know it's big it's big um and then the top kind of four four fifths of the painting is the sort of the the guild hall two and a half meters wide and just shy of two meters tall there you go uh, and I'm... <gasps> found it. I found the mouse. <gasps> She's found the mouse. There, I That's see. Yay. I love that you put the microphone towards the mouse. Let me take a photo <laughs> of the mouse. That's not going to work. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. I mean, it's such a lovely way, I think, of um, visitors really looking at the picture in detail as well and, yeah. and really close up. And, and I think Cuneo is such the perfect artist for that because he paints these really large canvases of these really large events with hundreds of people. But in any in all of those individual people he really kind of puts their personality to it and yeah. even if it's just literally a smudge and somehow it, you, you, you get, kind of get a sense of the person and yeah yeah like... and and also because presumably like anyone who was in that painting could yeah. go and look at it and go oh but look oh it didn't do me properly or look I was looking on face yeah and I, I I love those really grand ceremonial ones where you've got masses of people and they're all sort of slightly turning to face the portrait in a slightly odd way but you know you can see that they are absolutely individual portraits yes yeah just thousands of them exactly and then and then yeah completely the other kind of extreme with David Heffers which are practically abstract or almost abstract in a way they're so kind of um chunky they are yeah and and it's interesting that he doesn't include people in his works you know so you won't you know he i think there were um, oh, yeah. examples where he did in the past but he doesn't include like so you won't necessarily see a figure in, yeah. in pieces but i always think but despite that i think they're also deeply you know they are actually re-peopled as well because they are these tower blocks and um he will put the detail of different curtains and, and things like that in there yeah. which actually it's kind of it it shows people with the but with the absence of the yeah, actual yeah. figures. It's a, it's a glimpse of the life inside exactly. the windows. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which and that's what I love about his work as well. And um, it's it's just that idea that there are it represents so many people's lives in that piece as well. Yeah, 
well i'm i'm really looking forward to um uh, all being well i should be meeting him next week so listeners stay tuned because that will be coming up next after this as it were so uh yeah i'm, I'm very much looking forward to that really um is. now i was going to ask you as well just kind of before we finish that um there's also the is it called the heritage gallery if i learned yes. that right the bit just sort of on the way to the amphitheater where you have the opportunity to do a uh, it, it's a changing collection isn't it but but like really kind of important stuff it seems like Yes, no, absolutely. And so you're absolutely right. The Heritage Gallery is based in the Art Gallery um, and it's an opportunity for visitors to view treasures from the collection of the London Metropolitan Archives, which is also owned by the City of London Corporation. And um, it it is basically a research, research centre which holds yeah. the historical archives of all kinds of businesses, schools, hospitals, charities and, and other organisations from the London area. Mm-hmm. Um, it it has over a hundred kilometers of um documents, yeah, including wow. maps and photographs. <laughs> and the earliest one dates back to ten sixty seven, which again, you know, it just it it just sort of blows your mind when you, you hear things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's astonishing. Presumably yeah. that's kept in a very secure room. Yeah, so controlled <laughs> safe. Very, yeah. very secure. Uh, and and so with with the because the London Metropolitan Archives being an archive and, and such a huge um, collection, they are based at 40 Northampton Road and, and people can go go there. They've got an exhibition space there. And, but yeah, they also have um, it's a it's free large showcases in the Heritage Gallery, which allows for a kind of trio of displays. And as you say, it changes regularly. Yeah. Um, we've had all sorts of amazing items on display from Shakespeare's signature to the Magna Carta to the William Charter yeah and it's just unbelievable and um and usually with the display changes they will relate to an anniversary sometimes not but it's quite nice that they usually relate to something that's happening that that year or that month um so for instance the current display which runs to the 28th of April um it remembers two Londoners um Mm -hmm. on the anniversaries of their deaths the um one of them being Richard Whittington um his yeah who who we did the pod about about two two three weeks ago it was all about this Whittington Richard Whittington and so you'll be able to see his his last will and testament um Mm -hmm. you'll also be able to see his seal um which was which is on a receipt for a manor house in hertfordshire um yeah and okay. you also have a book recording his third election um, yeah as, as you know and as your listeners will know he was four-time lord mayor as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so that was his and third that, election there's something about him as well because of the sort of pantomime he he feels like a fictional character to a lot of people people yeah. are sometimes quite surprised to hear he was real so so to actually see you know his will and and things like that that are concretely re- related, physically, tangibly related to him as a person. It, it's such an extraordinary um, possibility. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and as as you say, it's it is that tangible kind of presence of 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 the man. Um, but as you say, I've definitely had people when I've told them that he was a real person and that he was four time Lord Mayor. Like what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, he was definitely real, but yeah, exactly. no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then one of the other displays is um, for the anniversary of Stephen Lawrence's death, and um, mm-hmm. we've got um, on display um, 
we've got the minutes from a meeting um, at his from his school, which refers to um, a student's murder committed by individuals motivated by racism. Um, okay. And so really significant documents. And, yeah. and then the third display, which this is the one where it's like it doesn't it's not necessarily related to anniversaries is the, the third display is the London County Council Second World War bomb damage map, which is yeah. fascinating as a, you know, yeah. as a record. And I have to say, um, the area that this one, it's Rotherhithe, which yes. is the area where Alex and I, well, Alex still lives quite close. I used to live. So my, I think my street might be one street off the bottom of this map that's wow. on display. <laughs> so again, I looked at it this morning. I was like, ah, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, again, fascinating de- documents. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think where where my flat used to be before the war, it was a pub. And then you look at the bomb damage map and there's a circle right there. You're like, ah, so that's why there's no pub anymore. Yes, exactly. And that's that's what I love about the Heritage Gallery with the art collection as well, is those moments that actually just resonate with with some of the visitors because they've got that personal connection or it's it that that's my street or that's you know, that's I remember that house or that building and and that's yeah. what I really love. And I remember um for one of uh, I had we have these um we have this triptych by the artist Julian Perry and it's of um Hackney Marshes mm-hmm. and um he painted those in the early 90s and they that that whole area looks completely different now you know it's basically the Olympic Park with lots of high rises you know yeah uh, and I showed um one of my friends the 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 three pieces when they're on display and I didn't say anything and in in kind of literally seconds he had tears in his eyes because he was saying yeah is the hackney because he lives in that area and he's just like yeah. I remember that hackney marshes you know that that's the kind of period that I grew up in and yeah and that immediate connection is just so special and to be witness to it it was just amazing it was yeah 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 yes and that, and that's where um having shows like the big city as I say it's been so wonderfully popular um, yeah. and, and I think it's I think it's a mixture of seeing London in in artworks but also the fact that you'll see these huge artworks as well which you know, they they ha- they haven't been on display um as often as I would like simply because of their sheer size one of the Salisbury's we have which is um for the coronation of um of George V is that is so large it's nearly five meters long and it needed wow. six technicians to bring it down and then install yeah. it. it that's the thing is it, it's not just we can get two people put it on yeah. a wall it it's it needs a lot of planning and and that's the thing where um, but because they're so big um they're just all inspiring just for their sheer size and the fact that someone can put paint brushes to canvas and create yeah. something that large um that is what I love as well yeah yeah it's a really lovely exhibition oh thank you it's so it's so lovely to hear you kind of hear your experience of the gallery um it's 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 so amazing and um it it was really interesting that um Mary Beard came to visit the art gallery um and Uh she was saying that um her expectation was to see portraits of mayors and royalty and and you know that's what she was expecting and then she was completely surprised by what was on display and she she said that she thought the gallery was absolutely amazing she mm-hmm. loved the hang and yeah you know it's kind of that's all you can ask for is that yeah uh, visitors connect to what we're showing and, and I think that's wonderful 
yeah absolutely and and now that the paintings are there they're going to stay longer aren't they so it's the it's been extended yeah so we're it, we're it, we're now running it to the first year of july and it's purely because of popular demand um the, the show has been so so popular and um we've had people asking for it to be extended either because they want to come again or they're not going to be in london in yep. April. Um, and so um, we're, we've run it to the first year of July, giving more people the opportunity. And um, it's also pay what you can as well. Um, we want to make sure the yeah. gallery is as welcome to everyone uh, and as accessible as it can be. Um, yeah. And so it's pay what you can. So you can pay as little or as much as you like or nothing at all. And that yeah, and that's it. So it yeah. really is up to you. That that's quite nice as well. That fits sort of with the range of the paintings that's on display in a way that it's 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 everybody who's included. So yeah, um, yeah that that's good. Brilliant. Well, it's it's been an absolute delight uh, to to talk to you today and find out a bit more. And actually, I'm 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 pleased that having been to the gallery, I also know that I'm going back again next week, so I can now go back and have another look again uh, in sort of better informed. Really. Um, so. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll we'll put some, you know, all the links and things like that um, in with the show notes and people so so everyone can find you easily. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And it's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you. That was my chat with Liz Scott. And as promised, about a week later, I went back to the Guildhall, this time to have a talk with David Heifer. So let's jump straight in to that. Oh, I'm here with David Heifer. Uh, one of the artists featured in the exhibition The Big City and um, it's an absolute delight to meet you. Thank you so much for coming to, to talk to us. Um, Great pleasure, I may say. <laughs> <laughs> and I say I say one of the artists featured, but yours your painting is is the sort of the one that you see when you walk in the front door. There's there's a sort of the first room, but the doors line up. So as soon as you go in the front door, what you can see is one of your works straight ahead. It's very, very prominent. Indeed, um, indeed. Well, I think that um, basically, I think possibly the whole idea for the show came from the fact that um, I'm at the age whereby um, I've done a life's work of, of paintings and many of them have been about London and uh, and having to think about what will happen to them afterwards. And I mean, uh, and once once the major museums have bought a piece or two, they aren't necessarily in, sort of interested in any more necessarily. Um, so I, um, and uh, the Guildhall already had a piece of mine, but I suggested that, 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 that they take some more of their choice, which, mm -hmm. which they very kindly did. Right. So um, it, it's basically, it saves my kids less of a month, you know, a nightmare, <laughs> sort, of, sort, of, sort, of, sort of when this, uh, this great bundle of large paintings, you know, is kind of, will have to be stored and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so they're very kindly uh, selected for large works, and um, and I think really built built the the um, the idea of the show around that really sort of hence them placing me fairly sort of central in the work. Yes. you know, yeah, so, um, sort of in the exhibition. Yeah, basically. absolutely. And yeah. I, I was talking to Liz, the curator, last week about the yes. gallery and various things, yeah. um, and um, I think it's really striking the contrast between the sort of the first room which yes. is those sort of historical banquets. Exactly. And, then, and then you come into the space where yours are. Exactly. And I should uh, explain that the, the the one that you see coming in is yeah. of three... It's almost like a triptych. Yes, it is indeed. Yes, it was, is. was that... Did you did you envisage it as a triptych kind um, of when you were... 
actually initially I thought of it as a diptych because mm -hmm. um, because there's a building um, <clears throat> in um, this particular building I was looking at was in East London um, and um, and and I I liked it because uh, both its front and its back sides were, were, were kind of interesting and also um, it was fairly anonymous and because uh, I sometimes worry that if one, if one were to paint famous buildings like the kind of Trellick Tower or something people might yeah. think I was doing it for the wrong reasons so I, I in many ways I'm happier working and, and making recordings if you like of, of uh, the painting of, of buildings which are which are not known and, and, and fairly fairly mundane in some respects. Yeah. So I, I, I did a couple of paintings of the the east and the west front, mm -hmm. and then um, and I made a note of the measurements because I thought I might want to do a third one. And those and, and, and those two paintings went off to a show in New York. And while they were over there, I did a kind of north front, right? At, uh, sort of at night, yeah. And um, and sort of so, uh, so I placed placed that one centrally, so with, with the with the east and the west on either side, really. Yeah, lovely. And there'll be some images to accompany this, so people can have a look. Indeed. So if you Indeed, haven't, exactly. if you don't know what we're talking about, have a look at the at the, at the website and things. So exactly. You can, um, imagine, but they they are kind of tower blocks. Yes, indeed. Um, indeed. Or, Taken almost to abstraction, you know the balconies, yes. the windows, very geometric. Exactly. Um, yes, I mean um, they're very much about paintings, really, and 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 um, and, and as, as you may have noticed, I painted them on a kind of base of concrete. Yeah. And um, and so that I would say they're kind of fifty percent about about um, painting and the history of painting and, and where it's going and so on, and. Um, and about 50% about the actual subject matter as such. Basically. Right. Okay. And I was intrigued, just now you said if you did the Trellick Tower, people might think it was for the wrong reasons. Exactly. So exactly. What, what are the right reasons? Well, the right, I think the right reason, reasons are simply the fact that I think of myself as a landscape painter. Right. I find myself in the city, so I, so I paint the city, really. Yeah. Really. And, and, you know, it's as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. In fact... Um, uh, my wife has a, a cottage in France, and uh, for many years we've been getting, going down there in the summer. And uh, when I'm down there, I paint the French landscape. So, oh, okay. So, so uh, you know, that's a big, a big difference, basically. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And do you do you stroll around, kind of looking <clears throat> for subject matter? Yes, buildings? that's uh, certainly that's the case. Or drive around, or whatever. I mean, mm. sort of, um, sort of particular views if you like or, or buildings or, or, or structures catch my mind sort of, sort of catch my eye and I think I would do something about that yeah um, I mean at the minute I'm, I'm working on a piece uh, based on the Robin Hood estate okay um, sort of uh, in in East London and uh, which is now being pulled down yes so and catch it now while exactly, it's exactly yeah. and actually a lot of my work has been a bit like that I mean I've painted buildings which are now all gone mm. and uh, so they've if they have no other value, they have a kind of sort of um, historical recording value. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it is very much buildings that some people might not appreciate, or exactly. we tend to walk past. We exactly. don't. We don't. Exactly. Kind of. Exactly. See, I mean, I so. think that, in a way, um, one of the main jobs of a, of a painter is to maybe draw people's attention to finding beauty where they sort of think think it doesn't exist really. Yeah. And so on. Yeah. And uh, maybe it sort of open people's eyes a bit, you know, in that regard.
that direction. Yes. Well, absolutely. I think I think that yeah. works for me. Um, the do you, do you, how much do you do in situ? Do you do kind of sketches or take photographs and things? Both, really. Um, I, I do sketches. I take photographs. Um, I some more recently. You, you probably remember that time um, when huge images began to appear on the backs of buses, which were and and, uh, and that rather sort of quite impressed me. Seeing these kind of uh, vast blown-up photographs, kind of cruising yeah. around London, and uh, <laughs> so I got in touch with a company which um, actually made them, and and uh, and I asked them if I were to give them some photographs, so I could uh-huh. blow them up and put them onto canvas for me. Okay. And uh, so, and they said yes. So, um, so, so I'm, quite often that's what I do now. I take photographs, um, send them off. They come to back, sort of back to me on canvas, sort of, yeah. s- sort of any t- size I want really. And then I use that as a kind of reference point. I mean, I, I don't really necessarily copy the photograph, but actually use it for. Uh, to see see what's sort of what's going on in the window or something like that. And, yeah, and, and, and sort so of on. checking back for exactly, details. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, before I do lots of drawings, I go sort of go out there on a daily basis and and um, sort of make notes of uh, of uh, the particular area, area of a building I was working on, and, and then come back to the studio and paint it. Yeah. But but, um, but I use both really. Sure. Exactly. And, and presumably things might change during the case of the time that you're... Well, exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, very early painting I did of a tower block um, uh, started off and it was all... Um, it, was, it was had quite a lot of it was painted, uh, painted sort of grey colour, and I came back one day, it was all blue. And, oh. and uh, so, <laughs> so I sort of changed my painting halfway down. OK, So, so it started yes. grey at the top and blue at the bottom. Ah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and then the nice, nice shapes and exactly. things you might get. Exactly. Yes. Ah, fabulous. Um, and then and it was noticed as well, the painting that's on the side, Castles in, in the Air, yes, is it? Yes. That you've also got, um, so you've got the tower block, yes. and then at the front you've got a sort of superimposed, is it a French village? From what yes, you indeed. Yeah. Yes, I mean, that little uh, vignette at the bottom mm. is um, from <clears throat> a, a 16th century Italian painting by Lorenzetti. Okay. And uh, which was a, so, sort of one of those hill towns in, in central Italy and so on. And certainly in those, in those days, they were, they were sort of building tower blocks as well. Really. Yes, and all those sort of bell exactly, towers. Exactly. And, so yeah. I thought it might be quite amusing to, um, to actually try and include that in some way, to sort of, sort of make the connection. Yeah. Really. So, I mean... With the very early tower blocks I painted, um, <clears throat> I wasn't. I, um, I was doing them very straight and so on. But then, and people would sometimes ask, "What about the people?" And, uh-huh. and, and occasionally, I did try and put them on balconies and things like that. Yeah. And, and um, sketches I'd made that of, of people out there. But it felt a bit illustrational, and and um, and I think people would come up to the paintings, look for the people. So you know, and then sort of, sort of, sort of go off and not not look at the painting ah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I thought that maybe a way of introducing people, or let's say the the marks of people, the presence of people, yeah, was was to was to introduce uh, graffiti, which of course is absolutely uh, integral part of the London landscape, basically. And and uh, you can't but you sort of go past the building without sort of uh, um, seeing seeing graffiti all yeah. over it. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
And so very often I start, start a painting with graffiti, the, the, uh, the concrete and the, um, the um, graffiti, and then paint the building a bit, and then maybe reintroduce the graffiti and so on. So, mm-hmm. sort of, so it becomes a kind of weaving process, basically. And, and, and it's a way of suggesting the kind of human presence mm-hmm. and, and including things like the Lorenzetti piece that, that I was talking about, uh, which the way of kind of uh, enriching the, you know, the whole idea, basically. And when you started adding concrete and things, was that a... Did you kind of play around with that for a while or did you find a sort of technique quite quickly? Yes, that... well, it's... Photography is such an extraordinary medium and mm. you can do so much with it. Um, and when I started using it to really give me information to help me make the paintings, I thought the one thing that the photography can't do is actually be very physical. And, yeah. and, uh, and seeing I was spending a lot of time painting, painting uh, subjects which had a, a very strong kind of material, physical quality to them, I thought it would be appropriate to actually paint them on, on kind of shuttered concrete and so on, which, you know, which you often see in these buildings. Yeah, so absolutely. So, so that's how I arrived at it, really. Yeah. Like you said early on, you did, yes. you did um, sort of much cleaner paintings yes. and then they, they the graffiti and all the exactly, stuff sort of creeps exactly. in and is it also the case do you think that the buildings have got scruffier so you're painting what's there now because the buildings are older uh, that, or... that, yeah, that, I mean that's a very good point I mean um, <clears throat> um, of course the architects can never really ordain or, or imagine what will happen to the buildings once they build them yeah and of course you know the weather will uh, the weather has its way with them, and, and so they get stained. And, and, and apart from the the graffiti aspect, things happen to them which which, which they can't foresee. Plus, of course, um, the people living in, in them, and and it is evident from what's in the windows that that, that you know that again that can kind of colour the the, mm. you know, the, the, uh, the whole sort of um, sort of atmosphere of the building really. Yeah. And so yes, I've certainly been very kind kind sort of kind of influenced by that. And then the other thing that they've got in this exhibition, just at the front of those, the big three we started talking about, yes. there's the little bird box. Oh, yes, indeed, yes. T- tell me more about that. Why is... Well, it was just uh, it was in my garden, and, um, uh, and uh, it was knocking around, and, and I thought, well, in a way, I suppose these buildings are particularly the tower blocks and bit like loads of bird boxes kind of jumbled together, and so it seemed, seemed appropriate to casually kind of uh, included in the sort of sort of sort of in the idea basically yeah you know we all live in bird boxes today and and and, uh, and I quite like the scale of it it's very small and kind of kind of nestling at the bottom of the building somehow yeah, yeah. but but it's um I mean not serious or it just, but, but, just, <laughs> but, but, but just um, seemed 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 appropriate really yeah absolutely so did you envisage it going alongside those other three yes exactly yes. exactly yeah, exactly. yeah. It is a, it's a fabulous contrast exactly with them certainly. I mean when I sent the, the first two images out of New York you know the um, uh, the bird was sort of went with them so, so right so, um, so the paintings that are here are they yeah. so they're going to stay in the collection yes here indeed. Now? yes yeah. yes indeed yes yeah. yes as I say um, the Museum of London have a, a, a large uh, diptych of mine, and I thought it'd be also appropriate, you know, if they had some more as well. But, but um, 
at at the moment they're shut, so so so, yes. so that you know, so they can't really kind of decide that sort of thing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. well, that seems appropriate as well. As it seems like you're very much a London yes. artist, so yes, exactly. a London gallery exactly. is exactly exactly is exactly. the right exactly, exactly that place exactly. for them. Um, as I say, I would hate to be thought of only as a, somebody who paints London buildings because, you know, helps, hence, in a way, the importance of, uh, of let's say, the French paintings, you know, that I mentioned. So yeah. On. But, um, but as the whole exercise really is, as I said, um, 50% of our, the, the, the actual act of painting mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, the subject matter is simply, you know, a vehicle to hang it on, really. Yeah. And I suppose the the graffiti as well. Yes, exactly, exactly. It, the, I mean, yes, one can contrast the maybe the fairly slow, meticulous way of painting the actual buildings or part of the buildings, and then contrast it with the kind of speed of the graffiti and the the soft edge against the hard edge, and, yeah. and, and also the colours. I mean, the um, the colours of the buildings are often quite subdued, and, and and of course the graffiti can be, you know, exactly really really brightly coloured. Yeah. And sort of. Have, have you ever been tempted to a bit of street art yourself and graffiti? Um, what that's sort, sort, Actually, sort of out there. Yes. Uh, I thought about it. Um, yeah. And uh, but I thought, well, you know, sort of Banksy and people have kind of kind of beaten me to it. <laughs> and <laughs> when you started doing. The big yes. come ones of tower blocks things. Was there anyone else doing similar things, or did people kind of go, "Oh, what's"? Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of that, and yeah. uh, um, in fact, I had a friend called Brenton Neeland who, but who painted buildings, but they tended to be um, office blocks, uh, sort of uh, okay. sort of glamorous office blocks. But I haven't really come across anybody else who's who's uh, built up a serious. Uh, body of work based um, based on them at all. No, no, no. I did notice downstairs. There's one one of your pieces is in the permanent yeah, collection indeed. here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Campbell yeah, and I. Yeah. And I was just looking nearby. I noticed one by Doreen Fletcher. Yes. Who paints kind of shop fronts and yes, business? Yes. Again, it's slightly the sort of the mundane stuff that we might overlook. Exactly. Do you think that there's a wider range of subject matter that the art world has changed? In your lifetime, that's well. Um, when I was a student, abstract expressionism was very much around, and uh-huh. um, uh, painting had to look like painting. In other words, one had to be very much aware of the act of painting, and a lot of painting was about painting. Right. And and I mean that was the subject matter really, and uh, which was okay, but. Um, but if you, when I was a student, was in art school and so on, if, if, if one started to paint too realistically uh, what was around, you were maybe accused of copying, right. you know, which was not a good thing to do, I was told. Okay. And no. uh, which, of course, uh, of course, it didn't really fit in the kind of, kind of modern movement, really. Yeah. And, um, and so in those days, I mean, pop art, was starting. I mean, um, <clears throat> I would be in shows. I mean, um, David Hockney and Co. were, you know, the Royal College when I was at the Slade and mm-hmm. so on. We, we, we have combined shows together and things yeah. like that. 
And that, to me, was a bit of a revelation. And um, not so much what was happening here, but 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 kind of when I saw American pop art, you know, right. you know um, and that was a huge, huge, huge revelation. That okay, it was okay to copy, yeah. and and uh, and you could do it big, and uh, and and there was nothing wrong with that. And so that, to me, um, <clears throat> opened a door. And uh, so the. The early paintings I did at that time, or short, very shortly after, um, were based on uh, suburban terrace houses, and so right. I would I would um, um, go up and down a particular road and just just paint the next kind of twenty foot of house front. Okay. And and they were, uh, I had quite a lot of success with those pictures, and indeed they they were the first ones I, I sort of I um, showed showed with Andrew Flowers, my, mm-hmm. my dealer. And I think they were, their success was largely due to their scale because uh, when you looked at them, although they were kind of three quarters life size, but seeing them in an enclosed space in the gallery, you know, they felt they were life size basically. Yeah. So you've always been drawn to the big stuff. Yes, I always have. I mean, I've always um, partly the fault of the Americans. I mean, I think that up until the Second World War, the whole development of art was based very much in Europe, you know, mm-hmm. you know particularly in Paris. Yeah. And um, and I think a lot of the, of the whole modern movement was, was I mean, there were plenty of exceptions, but was, was basically easel painting scale. Was, right. And, and, uh, and, um, and what happened after the war was um, that they developed the, the, the early ideas which happened in the, in, the, you know, in the first half of the 20th century. But uh, but on a you know on a huge scale yeah and um, and I, so I think if you wanted to be taken seriously through the sort of late fifties or sixties onwards you had to sort of paint on that kind of yeah large scale basically yeah and um, and it also it made it I mean not new I mean to the, you know think of Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel and and and, and the <clears throat> Tintoretto's uh, School of Sun Rock and so on yeah. I mean. It's, Always, artists are always painted big. Yeah. But um, but I just think during that that period, I, I suppose impressionism, post-impressionism, because people had to get their paintings on paint outside. You know, there was yeah. a, there was a kind of just sort of practicality. A, of yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, and a kind of acceptance of paintings were were, were kinds of easel easel painting size. Basically. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think I, we dotted around a bit chaotically yeah. as I remembered yeah. the things I wanted to ask, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. um, that's. Um, that's really well. Fascinating. I mean, you know, I've sort of, sort of very much enjoyed, enjoyed talking about them. Good. But, um, uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything that we maybe should have touched on. Yes, um, anything else. I mean, it has come up sometimes when I've had to do a talk about the work or, or do slideshows and stuff that where there's a kind of political element. Okay. Yeah. And um, and some people, I mean, more than once. Um, when I've had a show, people had, had left uh, quite a long, angry note, and it's sort of it's sort of in the visitors' book about right. me maybe exploiting the people who live in them, okay, and uh, taking advantage of them, and here I am selling huge paintings for vast sums of money and so on. Yeah. Uh, but as I say, my only answer to that is that um, uh, as I see them as as I mean. Uh, I think of myself as a landscape painter, and, and, and you know, it's largely my landscape. That's the landscape. Exactly. Yes. And it, it, that's an intriguing question, I suppose, about 
like some of the character does come from what's inside the windows if yes, you can see what's exactly. inside the windows but but how much is that public space or private exactly. space yes um, indeed i mean usually you can't get much from what's inside the windows a there's the scale even though one's painting a big painting the scale of the windows are you know, quite small. small yeah and uh but i, I did have a student once who uh, who um who um Used to get, this was in, I think he's in Swansea. He used to go out at night time, and uh, kind of active voyeurism really, and, uh-huh. and, and 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 he would walk around and 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 I, I don't know whether he did drawings or took photographs, but but he would base all his work on on these kind of nighttime views, looking okay. into into, sort into, of into um, you know people's people's windows. Yeah. Basically. I, I used to do a regular walking tour that was round kind of Kensington Knightsbridge oh, yes. area yeah. in the evenings, yeah. and it did seem to me there that there were quite a few people who had the lights on and the window, the curtains yes, exactly. open. Yes, but it felt like they had such fabulous interiors that they right. were and you know, showing them off. Showing them off, it yes, felt okay exactly. to peer in in those exactly. circumstances. Exactly. So. I mean, when I've been out there drawing or something, that you know, kids have come sometimes come out and said, "Why are you doing that?" and, and um, uh, and I said, well, I find them sort of interesting and beautiful in their own way. And um, and they always seem surprised. Okay. But, um, yeah. But on the other hand, uh, if they see a painting and they, they, and they, they enjoy kind of identifying with you, sort, of, sort, of, sort, of, sort of where their flat is. Or, yeah. Or, or yeah. <laughs> and have you ever lived in a, a have, ta- I? have you lived in a tower block? Uh, no, my son has, um, mm-hmm. and indeed still does. But, um, uh, but, but I haven't. No. But, and again, on that point, that sort of political issue, um, you know, should, sh- shouldn't you be living in a tower if you're going to kind of paint them, uh, which, which is a, a, a valid thing to say. But, but it, I think it's a little bit like saying to Constable, well, shouldn't you be a farmer if you're going to paint, you know, sort of paint the landscape? Yeah. Or say to Turner, shouldn't you be a kind of sailor come weatherman if you're, you know, if you're going to paint, sort of paint the paint. weather and the sea and Indeed. stuff? But yeah. I think that people sometimes expect artists. Um, Method artists. Yes, to, 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 to live. To, them. Uh, to be. Uh, only the result of kind of how they're living or how you know should be living, and uh, and I think artists as much more as being kind of fairly detached observers, really. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, I can see both sides of that argument, but I think that um, there's nothing wrong with being being a sort of a kind of an observer. No. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, and and not necessarily impartial, but no, exactly. But, you know. Yeah, detached. Detached really. is is fine. Exactly. There need be some people doing that. Quite. Yes. Great. Well, thank you so much. Well, Um, well, well, I sort of very much enjoyed doing it. Thank you. Good, good. And there we are. Huge thank yous to both Liz and David for coming to chat with me and being so generous with their time. David, actually, um, we recorded at the gallery, but once we'd finished, we walked around the exhibition space again and he said a couple of interesting things. One was he was very pleased with the angle that the bird box was sitting at. Because originally, when this artwork went on display, the bird box was parallel with the the big, the two, two, three big main paintings, and now it's at a bit of a cheeky angle. And he looked at that and he said, "Oh, that's much better. I'm, I'm very glad it's on on that little angle." And then we walked around the corner and looked up at the Copley painting, the great big one, and he said, "That is big, isn't it? It is." 
So I said, are you tempted? Would you like to paint something on that scale? And he said, oh, well, hmm, well, hmm. So I think he was mulling over the practicalities of whether he possibly could uh, find the space to do it. But there was a bit of a gleam in his eye. So he might have been considering it. So the big city uh, is on at the Guildhall Art Gallery until the end of July. It's 10.30 to 4pm every day and pay what you can. And of course, once you're there, you can have a look at the permanent collection as well. You can go down to the basement, see the Roman amphitheatre and don't miss the Heritage Gallery with those mind boggling things that get put on display there. We'll put some links and some of the images and things of the painting so you know what we've been uh, chatting about uh, in the show notes so you can have a look at those as well. Uh, if you do go to the gallery, then go and find the mouse. And on that note, I'm going to say happy Easter to anyone who is celebrating this week. Have a very lovely week either way and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>